When you really stop to think about it, there are just so many reasons to be afraid. Ghosts, demons, ghouls, golems, Dainis, Rakkush, Kakkush, Shakchudni, Jen. The list goes on and on. In this episode, we'll give you one more reason to be afraid to go to sleep tonight. So put on your headphones and settle in as we take you on a journey into the paranormal. Where there's only one question that matters. Are we scared yet? We didn't believe her. No one did. I sure didn't, at least. Not until that day. My little sister Z, that's what we called her, used to say she had a twin. It started when she could barely talk. She would babble away all day, pretending to hold someone else's hand as she played. Seemed normal for a baby, though. She didn't think much of it other than she had an imaginary friend. In her toddlerhood, she would get in trouble for doing things she said she didn't do. This one time, my mother left C to play in the yard for a few minutes. Mother is a gardening enthusiast, and she would spend hours out there watering, pruning, and feeding her small patch of soil. We lived in the city, so it wasn't much, but it brought her joy. Anyway, she ran inside, and when she returned, her plants were uprooted and scattered everywhere. She was furious, and she asked Z why she would do such a thing. Z said no. She actually liked her mother's plants. It was T who did it. A couple of years later, one morning, we heard Z scream from the bathroom. She was supposed to be getting ready for family picture day. My mother ran in and saw hair everywhere on the floor. Then she saw Z cowering in the corner of the bathroom. When Z lifted her head, mother could tell that there were patches of her hair cut off and her scalp was visible in several places. Z bawled as she said that she had told T she didn't need a haircut, but T had insisted that she needed a new hairstyle in order to look good for the pictures. And so, Z said, T pinned her down and gave her a haircut and she struggled to free herself. Mother had to shave Z's head. She wore a headscarf for the pictures that year. And then, when she was in grade school, my father went to pick her up at the end of the day, but Z was nowhere to be found. The school staff looked for her everywhere, and you can only imagine the panic. A few hours later, the school got a call from my mother 
who said Z came home by herself. When Z was interrogated, she said T told her that father wasn't going to make it to the school to get them that day and that they should get home on their own. When Z resisted, T said father was going to have an accident and they needed to go home on their own so they could warn him. The thing was, on the way to pick her up from school that day, my father said that he was nearly T-boned by a garbage truck that careened through his stop sign. And he said that if he hadn't caught a glimpse of a little girl that looked exactly like Z crossing the street about a block away, he would have most likely continued through the intersection and been seriously hurt or worse. After that incident, mother and father had enough and decided to visit my maternal grandmother for a break. It was the first time I remembered visiting grandma's house in the village. Usually, my grandmother would come stay with us, but Everyone thought a change of scenery and fresh air would do all of us some good. Especially Z. Us city kids were fascinated by the village, and the villagers were quite equally fascinated by us. My grandparents had a big property, as most people do in the village. Huge yard bordered by a big one-story house, fruit garden, and a big pond out back. Because of our visit, the house was teeming with people. All the village women came to help with making sweets, and children and adults were in and out of the house all day. I was put in charge of keeping an eye on Z, while my mother mingled with her old friends and father was busy catching up with my uncles. I had made some friends and the boys wanted to play. They didn't want Z involved because she's a girl. Not that Z wanted any part of the boys club, but the girls in the village didn't want to play with Z either because of T. They said that Z broke their play house pots and their clay cooking stove, but she insisted that T did it. The girls quickly grew tired of Z's wild claims, so they didn't want her around. I desperately wanted to play with the boys and Z was just making me upset with her same old thing. So when she told me she would be a good girl and stay out of trouble. When she said I should just go play with the boys, that she would be fine, I didn't think twice. Instead, I did what a young boy would do, and I jumped at the opportunity to play with the local boys. I didn't know when the morning ended and lunchtime rolled around. We got calls to go eat lunch, and when I went to go find Z, 
I looked everywhere. Every room in the house, the yard, the garden. I even asked the local girls if they had seen Z. But no one had seen her. My mother caught up to me, and by this time, she knew something was wrong. Her face dropped when she looked at me. When I finally told her that Z was missing, her motherly instinct kicked in, and she instantly knew where to search the pond. When we reached the water's edge, we found Z floating face down. Mother ran in the water and brought Z to shore. No pulse. Her body was as cold as ice. Her face was a bit swollen, hinting that she might have been in the water for some time. Villagers gathered and everyone was mumbling that they were certain that Z was no more. But how do you tell that to a mother who is trying to revive her daughter? After a while, a silence set in, and it was deafening. The blood pounded in my ears as my mother tried desperately to help her daughter breathe once more. When my father arrived, he ran over and he knew she was gone. But to assuage my sobbing mother, he tried to perform CPR. <laughs> By some miracle, after a few compressions, she coughed up the water. Her face was pale, her expression tentative, but she just started to look more and more confused though, as the crowd exploded into celebration and everyone started hugging her, saying how happy they were that their precious Z had survived. She grew more and more visibly uncomfortable with each hug she received. Once she had enough strength, she surprised us all. She stood, took a step backward, and held her arms out in front of her. And she said that no, she wasn't Z. She was T. She insisted, and when she said her full name, you could have heard a pin drop, if not for the fact that a pin drop would have been difficult to hear over the loud thud of my grandmother falling unconscious to the ground. I later learned that my mother had a daughter before me. My mom was beautiful, and all the boys in the village had their eyes on her. She received presents and love letters from boys all around at a tender age of 13. So before she made any mistakes, my grandparents got her married to the wealthiest and most powerful family in the region who lived across the river. My mother became pregnant shortly after marriage. As it was the tradition, my maternal grandparents brought their pregnant daughter back home across the river for comfort. My father's family was very traditional and had a proud history of firstborn sons. 
My father's parents made it clear that it was extremely important that the firstborn was a boy. If it wasn't, they said, someone would need to take care of the baby so the gods might next give my parents a boy. They did not want a girl as the firstborn, period. On a monsoon night, my barely eight months pregnant mother went into labor. My grandmother managed to have her next door neighbor come help. My sister had her umbilical cord wrapped around her neck. It was a long, difficult labor. By the time the baby was born, my mother was beyond tired. Her young body could only take so much, and she collapsed shortly after delivering my sister. My grandmother eventually confessed to my parents that despite all of the complications, my mother gave birth to a beautiful baby girl with curious eyes, a head full of hair, and a face shaped like the moon. As my grandmother stared into the eyes of her beautiful granddaughter, she remembered what she had to do. She knew that once my mother saw her daughter, she would never let go of her. And that would mean my mother would have no place to go back to. Before my mother could regain her senses, it had to be done. As grandmother stepped outside, she said the rain picked up and it was as if the sky was whipping for my sister. Grandmother couldn't help but love the girl that stared up at her so knowingly as she dipped her into the waters of the pond. She formed an eternal bond with her right there and named her Trishika. She kissed her palm and brought her hand to close the child's eyes tenderly one last time. She prayed to the goddess Lakshmi, Trishika's namesake, to send a boy in place of the girl next, but to please keep this girl's soul safe. After the drowning, we never saw Z again. It was T. It has been T since then. She doesn't remember anything before that day. All she knew was her name, Trishika. So where is Z? Is she gone forever, trapped in some void? Or was she just a vessel for the baby girl whose life was wrongfully taken? Hey folks, thanks for listening to our fourth episode. We hope you got the chills. If you wouldn't mind, we would so appreciate you subscribing to our YouTube channel. 
as well as rating and reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. But of course, whatever you do, just please do yourselves a favor this holiday season and stay scared. <laughs>